Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now. Where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, Ryan Treasure, the voice, the VP at World Talk Radio Voice America. I am Bonnie in the house. Happy to be here. And if I got a topic for you today, we are live streaming, we believe, on LinkedIn and Facebook. So everybody in my panel, wave hello to the social channel audiences. There we are. You can see their wonderful smiling faces, really smart people. And I've got a topic that impacts every one of you. I don't care where you are. If you've ever heard of email, duh, whether you like it or not, duh. Somebody's trying to reach you with some kind of a message and they might be trying to get you to buy something or sign up for something or do something with something that they've got that they want you to pay attention to. Well, what's the future of email marketing? Will you open it? What will it take to get you to pay attention? I have two buzz quotes, and I found an interesting article at sendx.io slash blog, sendx. And the article is called The Future of Email Marketing in 2021. So I guess the future is here and beyond. And the article is by Daniel Whitman, W-I-T-M-A-N, no H, seven email marketing trends. Listen up to this first, first quote I have. A lot of folks believe that email is dead. Kristen Boylow knows that because she deals with that probably a lot. We'll introduce her for the 99th time in a second here. He goes on, with the increased use of chatbots, social media platforms, etc., the assumption is that email's place has been overtaken. However, this assertion and the assumption it's based on is wrong. Challenges such as inefficient tools for creating emails, bad email marketing techniques, oh no, and lack of data and integration, forget about that. Email marketing still remains one of the surest ways of reaching out to customers, prospects. I'm going to say anybody you want, anybody to pay attention to what you've got. One more buzz quote, some of the latest trends in email marketing, the AI revolution, artificial intelligence, welcome to your world, laser-focused personalizations. Does it use your name? Does it talk about something you want? Is that a better way of getting your attention? Dark mode emails, we might talk about that. Interactive email campaigns where you influence what they send you, oh my. Preference to mobiles for checking emails. How often do you do that on your phone and making use of user-generated content? So I have a panel who's been on the show with me before. I know them from other places, other radio shows I do. They're all really smart and they all have strong POVs, points of view, called opinions about the topic. Kirsten Boileau, wave your hand and say hello to everybody. She is Hello, hello everyone. Kirsten is in Canada. She's the sponsor of one of my long running shows for SAP changing the game with digital engagement and with game changers, all kinds of changes in there. Thank you, Kristen. We have Lindsay D. Miles. We're not using her middle initial today, but I know what it is. She is the Senior Director, Marketing Digital Strategy at Emory University. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? Hello. Great. Nice to see you again. We have Ashley Melendez, a Digital Campaign Manager at SAP. Hello, Ashley. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Glad to have you back. And we have Neil Schaefer. And Neil, tell us what your company is called. EDCA Social. There you go. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. So thank you, everyone, for joining me. And let's get this party started. Kirsten, I've changed my mind. I think I used to say there's four people in the world who don't know you. I think now we're down to 2.3. Would you please talk to those 2.3 people? Because you're everywhere with your career, with your outreach on social, with your knowledge of LinkedIn, everything. Kirsten, reintroduce yourself, please. Just take about a couple minutes and tell us not only that, but what's your passion for the question Will we open email in the future, email marketing? Kristen, welcome. 
Sure. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, everyone. Great to be here with you all today. Um, my name is Kirsten Boylo. I'm based in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. So about an hour and a half west of Toronto, I always tell people. And um, I've been with SAP for about 15 years now, a little over 15 years. Uh, and I've gone from being in business development through to running uh, social selling programs here at SAP. And now I am heading up learning and development um, for one of the areas of SAP's uh, board. And so um, one of the, you know, my most recent role has been focused on digital marketing um, and upskilling the organization around digital marketing. So that's why email marketing is so important to me, uh, because it's one of the foundations of the way that we interact and engage with our customers. Thank you very much. And Kirsten, is it dead or is it alive? Is, is email marketing, do you agree with Daniel Whitman in the article that it's still the best way to reach people? What do you think? I think it's going to, it can be very, very um, impactful uh, to engage your customers. You have to do it very, very well, though. It, you, it can't be a spam because you just get turned right off. There you go. Thank you very much. Good information. Let's go to Lindsay Miles. Lindsay, welcome back. Oh, there might be, don't be upset, maybe eight people who don't remember you. Shame on them. Lindsay, go ahead. Reintroduce <laughs> yourself, please. Sure. I'm Lindsay Miles. I'm the Senior Director of Marketing and Digital Strategy at Emory University. And in my scope of work and my team, we oversee email marketing. Um, and we are actually standing up a new platform, as many of you probably know, Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Um, and we're working on a lot of different tools um, to help with our constituent journey. And email marketing is a very important part of that. And so, you know, I think that it definitely is still very important in your communication strategy. And it is something that we're actively working on tweaking and trying to make sure we're delivering relevant content to our constituents. Very interesting. And you use the word constituents instead of customers. And I appreciate that. Constituents, customers, prospects, community, anybody you want to reach. Thank you very much. And I will tell you that all when I don't, let's just quickly go around the table. Ashley and Neil, just give me a second here. How many emails would you say you get a day, whether they're for business or casual or friends? How many emails are in your inbox from, let's say, midnight till the next the next midnight? So let's go around the table. Kirsten, what's your estimate of number of emails a day? Oh, probably at least two to 300. Okay, you beat me on that one. Lindsay, how many for you? I was thinking about between 100 and 150. I'm right there with you. Ashley, what do you think? I agree. I think about 100, 150 as well for me. Neil, how about you? Neil, you're muted, dear. That's okay. Only about 100, 125. I guess I'm lucky. (laughs) Okay. Or maybe you have refined your subscribe, unsubscribe list more than some of us. I think that's maybe what I need to do. (laughs) Because I'm getting stuff I never asked for and I'm a regular. I also have emails that come in that I want to just know they're there in case I want to read them at some point, but I just click the read versus unread. I read the click the read or read button and just keep them in the inbox and there might be 20 of those a day, but I just want to save the information or I don't want to offend the person by unsubscribing. That's part of it. Those likes, you know, that's a way of liking. Thank you very much, Ashley Melendez. So happy to have you back. The same eight people who don't remember Lindsay probably don't remember you. So talk to them. Go ahead, Ashley. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Melendez and I work as a digital campaign manager at SAP. My role includes working on the global marketing team supporting the success factors line of business. And I also work very closely with our various channel teams. So particularly our nurture team. 
Um, and prior to joining SAP, I worked as a marketing automation consultant uh, for small, medium-sized businesses to large enterprise clients. And I helped organizations meet their technical requirements by providing platform configuration um, for marketing automation and CRM software. And I also have a degree in, in communication studies. So I'm very passionate about using email marketing as a means for storytelling and growing engagement and conversion rates um, and really bring, bringing um, brand awareness to life. Um, and also just building the relationships with customers. So I'm excited to see what the, where the future takes email marketing um, and discuss our future predictions today. Thank you very much, Ashley. Very well put. So email is definitely not dead as far as you're concerned. It's, it's definitely dead. not. Yeah, definitely not. Okay. At Neil Schaefer, welcome back. So happy to have you. The same eight people. Talk to them. Go ahead, Neil. Welcome. Honored to be here, Bonnie D. Uh, my name is Neil Schaefer. I am a digital marketing author, speaker, consultant. Uh, my main role right now is as a fractional CMO for several companies where I provide them guidance on their digital marketing strategies and implementation. Part of that, obviously, a big part of that uh, is email marketing because of all the different ways in which you can engage with uh, people digitally. Uh, email really is the, uh, you know, the way to build deep relationships that you don't have to worry about you know, what happens with Facebook's algorithm. And you don't have to worry about if your content's gonna appear in search results as well. So it is a very, very powerful, uh, stable, but as uh, Kristen said, it does have to be done right to be really effective. Neil, a lot of our viewers, listeners may not know what a fractional CEO is. Would you please unpack that for me? Oh, fractional CMO. So CMO. It's, it's the notion of a CMO type marketing leader that is not full-time. And the word fractional means that that person will work for several organizations at once. So you're basically hiring a part-time marketing leader to help. Uh, for some companies, it's to provide marketing guidance. For others, it might be training. For others, it might be implementation. But it is a, a type of marketing consulting that is more hours-based rather than project-based. So you're a gig worker, would you say, Neil? A gig CMO? At a high level, yes. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll got the high level in there. Thank you. I knew that. Any, anybody with CMO in their title is Kirsten, and I know from somebody who's coming on her show next in a couple of weeks, anybody with the title CMO is going to be high level. Thank you all for your reintroductions. Appreciate it. Now let's go to your opening quotes. We'll have some fun here. Kirsten has sent us a quote from, I hope I'm saying this character right, Ka, K-A-A. I think by, so, yeah. Thank you. For, played by Kate Blanchett in the movie, Mowgli, M-O-W-G-L-I, Legend of the Jungle. It's a 2018 adventure film, and it was stylized on the screen of the movie just simply as Mowgli without Legend of the Jungle. Uh, let me see if there's anything else I want to say here. Probably not. So let's go to the quote. This is a long one. I am the jungle's eyes. I can see the past and the future. It is I, Ka, or K, who witnessed the coming of man and the jungle trying to survive. I saw chaos and darkness coming to our lands. I saw the tiger, Shere Khan, killing man and breaking the jungle's ancient law. And then one fateful night, I saw the jungle place its hopes into the hands of a small creature, the like of which it had never seen before. Kristen, I have chills. I have no idea what this has to do with email marketing. So I think the creature might be email marketing. Kristen Boyleau, let's get this one onto our topic. What, what are you thinking? Go ahead. I, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was kind of fun and it, it a completely different way to, to think of email marketing as this small little um, 
you know, creature that comes in and, and doesn't look like it's going to have a big impact, but everybody needs to, you know, kind of, everybody puts a lot of hope in that email marketing. You know, our email lists are our, um, our foundation, right? Our, our building those lists is the power of of a, of a company. And so being able to, um, you know, put our hope in that very small creature, an email is a very small thing in and of itself, but um, how you construct that and how you, what kind of engagement you put into that and what kind of thought and, um, and education you put into that for your, your client, your customer, whoever it might be, um, that is just you know, um, the best way to to move forward. It's it's that hope for the future. Thank you very much, Kristen. I always count on you to send very interesting and unusual off the beaten path quotes. And I love this one. Thank you. I, I'll, I'm not going to crochet it on a pillow because there's just too much ink, too much yarn involved, but we'll, we'll put it somewhere, Lindsay, like that. Thank you very much. Let's move to Lindsay. Speaking of whom, Lindsay has sent a quote from a movie I've also never heard of, The Babe, Babe Ruth, played by the actor Art Lafleur. The Sandlot is the movie. It's also been called in some countries The Sandlot Kids. 1993 American coming-of-age sports comedy film. It became a cult film, actually, about a group of young baseball players during the summer of 1962. And here is the quote by the babe, played by Art LaFleur. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid, and you can never go wrong. This is probably the worst imitation of Babe Ruth ever to hit any. I thought it was great, Bonnie. I think it's great. (laughs) Thank you. You're very kind. Go ahead. Unpack it, Lindsay. Go ahead. You know, I think The Sandlot is just a movie that I've remembered watching from whenever I was a kid until now, and it's still one of my favorite movies. And I think this quote, when we think, typically people say legends never die. That's kind of the part of the quote that we hear a lot. And when we think of communications legends, emails, one of that, one of them. And we think about heroes that come and go, you know, you think about uh, telegrams and fax machines and these things have happened. They had a place in time, but they're no longer as relevant as a legend, such as email, such as print media. I mean, print media is still very relevant, but when we think about email, that's really amongst those um, communication pieces that is still very pervasive in our life. So when we consider what's a hero, what's a legend, I consider email a legend. You're very kind to email. Thank you. I can imagine some very young, maybe Gen Zers watching the show and listening saying, facts? What's that? (laughs) Seriously? What's a princess phone? What's a rotary dial? Oh my goodness. I think I still have one of them packed away somewhere from when I heard about them. I wasn't alive then. Okay, we can get away with that for just so long. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Ashley Melendez has sent us one of our favorite all-time quotes. It's a beautiful quote said by Doc Brown, Doc Emmett Brown, played by the iconic Christopher Lloyd, speaking to... uh, Marty McFly in Back to the Future Part 2, a 1985 sci-fi comedy film and a hit. And here's the quote. We love this one. Roads, where we're going, we won't need roads. I don't know if he sounded like that. I can't remember. Ashley, what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yeah, so I I thought it was only fitting uh, to pick a quote from Back to the Future as we're discussing future predictions. And it's definitely a great movie and definitely a classic that I grew up watching. Um, And so I think it's related to this new digital landscape where we don't need roads necessarily to stay connected with one another, but rather we just need a digital device and an internet connection. 
Um, and so I think it's looking forward ahead to, to what this new digital landscape will bring and how that's going to be shaping the way that we do marketing today, in particular email marketing. Um, and so I think it's interesting to look at where where this new digital landscape will take us where we don't need roads. So. Thank yeah. you very much. Always happy to hear that quote. And after Neil's quote coming up next, I'm going to ask you all a question about email versus texting. I think you know where I'm going to go with that. But Neil sent us a wonderful quote from Don Draper from the extremely binge-worthy TV show, Mad Men. It was an American period drama TV series on AMC Cable Network from 2007 to 2015. Seven seasons, 92 episodes, but who's counting? I watched them all. I haven't started it again. It's about the fictional Sterling Cooper advertising agency on Madison Avenue in Manhattan, hence Mad Men, New York City, in the fictional time frame from March 1960 to November 1970. And John Hamm did such a wonderful job as Don Draper, a character with many layers that got peeled back right Neil over the years of the character and here's the quote this is this is a good one if you don't like what's being said change the conversation Neil it's all yours talk to me well thank you Bonnie and Dean well first of all I'm, I'm currently binge worthy uh, binge watching Mad Men I'm not even at season seven yet it's currently in season five oh. but I think that that quote really speaks a lot to not just email marketing but digital marketing if it's not working for you you got to shake it up and changing the conversation email literally is a conversation i think a lot of companies a lot of marketers think of it as just something you have to do we got to put out the monthly newsletter we got to create the sequence but it is an ongoing conversation in hopes that you build a relationship so if it's not working for you change it Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you all for your wonderful quotes for the research you did. Let's go to the question. My question is, I've heard over the past couple of years, kids don't want to email. It's like, oh, that's for somebody else's generation. I just want to text. It's there. It's instant. It's one-on-one, -on -one, reasonably private. You can be as specific as you want. So how, how does email balance out for marketing? If you don't have somebody's cell phone number, if you only have God forbid, a landline, if you can't reach somebody and you want an immediate response, because isn't that what text is about, SMS? It's short message service. Let's get it on here. Okay, talk to me. What? They didn't answer. It's been a day. It's been two minutes. It's been an hour. You get worried. Are you okay? You start barraging them. So what about text versus email in terms of building a relationship, personalization? Uh, Kirsten, let's just go around the table in the same order before we get to the predictions. What do you think? Text versus email. Who wins? It's hard to say. I, I mean, I think people are a lot more protective of their text um, because it's such an immediate uh, thing on their phone. An email is a lot easier to ignore. You can go back and look at it a bit later. Mm -hmm. um, it's always there in front of you kind of when you want to go and take a look at it. But texting, it just has whether, you know, it, it actually is always there in front of you, but it just has that much more immediate um, response required. And I think people would get a little bit... Um, more protective of that of that number, uh, and I think uh, protective of that invasion in their space. Let's just go around the table. Lindsay, agree or disagree with Kirsten, or whatever you want to add is fine. 
You know, I think I think I agree, but I also consider message should match medium. So I think it depends on what your message and what your call to action is. There are some times where it's a short spurt of information that you like. Yes, text messaging makes sense. You want an immediate call to, call to action. I think the beauty of email is that there are some storytelling components that can come with that, and that can help drive um, engagement in a much different way. So I think it depends on what the message is, and then you develop a messaging strategy for each medium. Very well put. Ashley Melendez, what do you think? I think email is excellent for uh, sort of the relationship building and the storytelling, as Lindsay was mentioning. Um, and then text messaging, I think, has its own place in the market for sort of staying top of mind with consumers and sort of um, can be used when you're running maybe like a very time-sensitive campaign or if maybe you just want to remind uh, people about an upcoming event that they've already registered. So I think there's a place for both um, in terms of like in a marketing campaign, and it definitely depends on the message um, and kind of how you're using it. Um, I also think that with email, sometimes the challenge is like our inboxes are just becoming quite cluttered, you know, and like we're receiving hundreds of hundreds of emails a day. And so sometimes if you really don't want to miss out on something, perhaps text messaging is, can be an alternative and kind of complement email in your campaign. And also for marketers, I think it's important to realize that SMS messaging has actually has a significantly higher open rate. Like I think the open rate for text messages is like 98%, whereas um, email is closer to 20%. And also the response time is um, significantly quicker with um, text messages. Like I think it can, you know, it takes about a minute minute and a half to kind of open a text, whereas an email can take a lot longer for somebody to respond. So um, I think there is a place for both and they can definitely complement each other. Well put as well. Neil, our fractional CMO, talk to me. Text, email, what do you think? Yeah, you know, when you think of it, just to think of a specific example, I fly United Airlines, I book the flight on the computer, I get an email notification, but I also get real-time text notifications if there is a change in boarding gate, for instance. So there's definitely a place for both. And there are some younger generations that might just prefer text more than email. So I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all. I think they both have their place. And as everybody else has suggested, there are some types of content or some types of messages that might actually work better on text versus email. I think it's going to be you know, different for every company, for every audience. Uh, but I, I would tend to think, based on that example, that sort of you know, real-time uh, you know, need to update in real-time or maybe somewhat transactional things, uh, text might be good. But hey, you know our campaign runs out tomorrow, there might be a case for that as well. Just everybody uses it differently. And I think the important thing is to understand your audience and, and what they prefer to use. And ideally, I know we're going to jump ahead to the predictions, give them the, the ability to choose in which way they want to receive what message. Yes. And I will go with, uh, who's, you, who said, you said United Airlines. I go to a, a spa here in the Raleigh-Durham area. And on a, if I have a Thursday appointment, it's for hair or a massage, they will send me an email on Tuesday and a text on Tuesday, reminder your upcoming appointment. Then the day before, they'll send me one more 
text message. And then it's fine. Then when I arrived, because of COVID, you had to wait outside to be admitted with a mask. Uh, they would, I would text them, I'm in the parking lot, may I come in? And they say, okay, your operator, whoever it is, is ready. So text is being used on a very personal basis, very Im- immediate, but I accept it because they have my phone number on full. Anyway, enough about that. Thank you all for the sidebar. I really appreciate it. Let's go to the predictions. Let's be fast and furious here and see how many we can cover. Kristen Boylow up first. GDPR, and you're going to explain that because we might actually have some people who don't know what that means. GDPR and other legislation will mean that marketers need to be extremely focused on providing value to the customer, I'm going to say to the prospect, the community, whatever, through educational, relevant, personalized content and subject lines that draw the recipient in. Kirsten, go ahead. GDPR stands for, and I I know I'm probably not going to get this right, but it's something along the lines of general data protection regulations. I think so. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's re- yeah, it's essentially something that protects the um, consumer end user um, for uh, and protects their data and allows them to have full control over who knows what about them and and who can email them uh, content. And so th- that and other legislations, I mean, other company, other countries, other um uh, states are following suit with similar legislation. I know in Canada we have the Castle Law, Canadian anti-spam legislation, um, and I know there's something similar in, in California recently, where you have to um, be given. You know, the the consumer end user needs to uh, give permission to actually um, have someone email them information uh, and content, and so. Once they've given you their permission, you need to be extremely careful with how you connect with them, being very personalized, very customized, making sure that you're providing a lot of value because they can quickly um, ask for, quickly and easily ask to be removed from your your list uh, and or (laughs) if you send them emails by mistake, you, you know, they have the, op- if you send them emails by mistake, they have the opportunity to um, sue you as well if you don't stop. That's an oh my moment there. Anybody want to comment on what Kirsten said? I'll just open it up briefly before we move on. You all good? Okay. I've got prediction number one from Lindsay Miles. She says, interactive design, I want to hear about this, will be imperative Anybody who doesn't know what that means, it means you got to do it for keeping audiences engaged. People are deleting emails left and right, top and bottom, all over the place. So designs are going to need to be top-notch with a level of dynamic sophistication. That sounds very, very challenging. Lindsay, talk to me. Yeah, so when we think about interactive emails, it's something that the audience is able to actually click on or interact in some way with your email. So the other day, I got an email from a company um, with a survey embedded in the email. I filled out all of the survey in the email. I clicked submit. It took me to the form that everything was already pre-populated, reviewed it one time, and submitted it. That makes my life easier as the consumer, as the constituent, as the end user. So when we think about how how do we get our audience to perform the action in the quickest way, think about emails. If you're if you're thinking about storytelling in an email and you're breaking down your stories and you have a read more button under a specific person, the user 
could go to that specific part of the story and read about that person. So think about breaking down emails in a way that's bite-sized or gives the person the ability to engage in some way to save time on the, you know, back end. I think that's what will really be um, effective in any email communications and really will make the user feel like, oh, I did what I got what I wanted out of this interaction. Thank you very much. Any comments, anybody, on what Lindsay just shared? We're good? Okay, let's go to Ashley. Prediction number two. I like this one, Ashley. You say organizations, that's companies, businesses, firms, uh, anything, whether you're profit, nonprofit, have to balance customer growth and retention while also keeping their email subscribers inspired and engaged. One of the most trending trending methods used to achieve this is by using user-generated content and marketing emails to promote brand awareness and authenticity. Ashley, go ahead. Yeah, so user-generated content uh, can be any type of content, whether it's text, video, images, video um, uh, that is created by a user rather than by a brand. Um, And I think it's becoming increasingly more popular with marketers in recent years. And I think in the future, um, it will continue to grow in popularity with not only marketers, but also with consumers. Um, And actually, recently, I was reading a study where 79% of consumers said that their purchasing decision was highly influenced by user-generated content. So it's extremely effective uh, way to reach your audience. Um, And I think, you know, I think that makes sense because it's, it's more relatable for a user. It's created by a user for a user, you know, and like, I think who, who can know the product better and, and, you know, how to use it and how to market it than the user itself. Right. And it also just adds a level of, I think authenticity when it's coming from, you know, an average user rather than when it's coming from like a large brand. Um, And I also think that for marketers, it can be extremely um, beneficial to use. Oftentimes uh, the challenge can be uh, creating content and creating content is, it's no easy feat. It's, it can definitely be very challenging. It's costly. And oftentimes it, it requires a lengthy lead time. Um, and so user-generated content is accessible and it's already sort of available um, and can kind of mediate those challenges. Um, and so I think I will become the norm in not only email, but in also um, in other digital channels. Thank you very much. Any comments? I tell you what. It, yes, Lindsay, I was going to say, just raise your hand. Teacher, teacher, call me, call me. <laughs> Lindsay, talk to us. You know, Ashley, I love the the thought about user-generated content and in nonprofits and higher ed, especially when we're thinking about philanthropy, we do this a lot because we're not selling a good or service. Mm-hmm. We're selling an idea that you're helping the future. And so we use a lot of user-generated content. And I think on the flip side, when you think about product marketing, we're so used to thinking about word of mouth marketing and really user-generated content is just the digitization of word of mouth marketing, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I I think that's a great point to think about how we can leverage that content. It makes it easier for the marketer, but then it's more marketer, but then it's also more authentic for the end user. I love that. Thank you. Authentic is a very good word. Uh, Neil, Kirsten, anybody have any other comments on that? Okay, I'm going to move on. Neil, prediction number two. Let's get to the elephant in the room, artificial intelligence. Oh, my goodness. I have some neighbors who say, I hate technology. I don't want anything to do with it. I want to say, you have a phone? You're texting me? Are you serious? Do you know maybe you have a a smart something using Siri or Alexa in your house? Come on. It's part of your life, Karen. She happens to be named Karen. Okay, so let's go. I'm sorry. We all got that one. Here's 
Neil Schaefer says, by using AI to help their email marketing evolve, that's a very positive word, Neil, very, very positive, evocative word. Companies and technology providers will make it easier for their target audiences and new prospects to decide how often and what type of content they would like to receive. Let's expand this thought. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, I don't. I, I think the technology is there, and in digital marketing, we're already seeing AI pop up to help marketers, for instance, write ad copy. Going back to my friend Don Draper, there, uh, we're starting to see it create more long-form content as well. Not 100% accurate, not 100% human, but we're sort of getting there. So I think in the same context. A lot of uh, AI in marketing tools is often being used in sort of analytics and predictive analytics. Uh, we can be using that same technology, and this is really a call out to the SAPs and all the other technology giants in the room, that we can be using that technology to better understand how our, you know, how our constituents or how our subscribers or how our customers like to engage with us. Um, instead of asking me what time do I wanna send that email, why don't you tell me based on AI? And I, I predict that you know technology is gonna get better and I think it's gonna get easier for marketers to perform better with their email marketing and make the people on the other end happier because they're speaking the same language in the same medium at the same time. Thank you very much. Anybody have any comments on what Neil just shared? You all good? Okay, let's go to round two. We have so much time we are. <laughs> We, I'm glad I asked you each for four predictions because we had a lot of time to fill here, and this is very exciting. So let's go to Kirsten. I'm looking at your prediction number two. Email personalization will come from the use of marketing automation tools, first-party data, and artificial intelligence. Marketers will need to leverage a data scientist. That's where we're going to go with this, Kirsten, and become adept at analyzing data in order to be able to leverage that data into actions. That's the conversion. Kirsten, take us through this. Very exciting. Yeah, I think this is a great follow on to what Neil had to say. I mean, artificial intelligence is going to be able to uh, support that marketer in the decisions that they need to make. But they also, you know, as he said, you know, some of it is not always um, completely accurate uh, when it's, you know, building um uh, taglines or whatever it might be. And, and so um, using a data scientist to analyze the, the data that they are getting through the various mediums uh, that they have access to, whether it's marketing automation um, data that they're collecting, um, data that they're collecting from other sources in, um, in the organization, in the, in the marketing organization, and just from you know, looking at social media platforms and all of that kind of stuff and bringing all of that together to be able to say, these are the actions that we need to take for this, uh, this audience. That is where, um, you know, leveraging that data scientist is going to be so important. Um, that data is all there. Uh, I think what, what, um, confounds marketers right now is that they don't necessarily, some of them do, but not a lot of marketers have that data science, data science background to be able to understand and take action on the data that they're seeing. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Um, anybody have any comments on that? I, I want to I pinpoint you, Neil, as a fractional CMO. What do you see about data science? I'm putting you on the spot. I don't usually do that, but any comments on the idea of data scientists and analyzing the data and what do you do with it? How do you collect it? We're going to get into other parts of that in a minute, but Neil, any thoughts on data scientists? You see that person, that nomenclature, that level of expertise in the companies you work with? 
Yeah, we're definitely starting to see a bigger demand for people in marketing that can play around with data, uh, analyze data. In my first prediction, I was taking that one step further and saying that should actually be baked into the product of the email marketing services that we use, but definitely um, someone that can understand data. And this obviously not just for email marketing. Uh, in digital, it, it's really all about analyzing the data and trying to improve your performance. So uh, definitely there, there's there's a new demand for that. I think it started actually a few years ago, but with uh, every marketer wanting to be more data driven with what they do in marketing, it obviously stands on the shoulders of someone that's gonna be able to dive through and understand that data. Some marketers are better than data, some are more creative and, and they, data is not their thing. So having a dedicated person, uh, a role that can do that, I think is a great idea that we're, we're definitely already seeing more of. Thank you. Anybody else? Any comments on that? Lindsay, go ahead. I was just going to talk about personalization because I think it's something that for some marketers, like where do we begin? You know, for people who are new in an industry or maybe they don't know, I'd love to hear like everyone else's thoughts about personalization. I think there are different levels to personalization. I think there's definitely where you can tap into a data scientist to help us map out journeys. But I also think personalization can be happy birthday email from, you know, your favorite, this place that you frequent a lot or a coupon because you just bought this service and now it's this, but it can also just be a personal outreach email because you're following up, you know, on a lead. So I would, you know, I think personalization doesn't have to be elusive. You don't have to have all this data science background if you're, if you're starting out, but I think you can build up to that. So, you know, I think that's something that some marketers might get a little bit afraid of and shy away from personalization, but I think you can manage it. Lindsay, I'll tell you where it's, it has been working for me for the past couple of years. I go to a supermarket here, a Harris Teeter, fairly new. I'm in a fairly new community here. The community's about three years old. And I was worried, oh my goodness, leaving Long Island where you had a supermarket every 23 yards in New York. I'm sorry, every 2,300 yards. Well, it was close. Anyway, uh, I didn't know where, and here it is. It pops up in its own little shopping center. I have what's called a VIC card, a V-I-C. It's like, I don't know, very important customer. I guess that's what it means. Duh, honey. <laughs> okay, got that one. And and I get an email, okay, weekly that says specials. They are putting on special for me the things I bought recently. No kidding. The Simply Safe cranberry juice and a certain brand of chicken that I buy and a certain brand of cocoa that I buy. They know it's in when I swipe my card at the cash register, it, it tallies up everything and Kristen and Neil and everybody, the data is going into somewhere and they have an algorithm. It's certainly not a person sitting there saying, oh, what did Bonnie do buy this week? And they are putting it in. Now, what I always wonder about is when I go to the supermarket, if I say, yeah, I bought two bottles of this Simply Safe, which is really good, uh, cranberry juice or orange juice, is the customer after me getting the same sale or is it just for me on my card because I swipe my card? Interesting. How does a store manage those specials that are completely personalized? I opened that email today and I was shocked at what they were putting on sale for me. And damn it, the Turkey Hill ice cream at $1.97. Oh my, that's better than buy one, get one free at $5.95 a carton. So don't do that to me. Anyway, that's personalization, I think, working at its best. Maybe it's worst. Maybe it's most frightening. Is enticing you to buy something at a, at a discount that they know you already like. I've told them my preferences. They know what I bought. They want to offer it to me. Anybody have any comment? Is anybody getting any emails that are targeted and personalized like that from any stores you go to? Kirsten, go ahead. 
I don't have any examples of that, um, but I think that is just so fascinating to to see that kind of personalization. Um, when I was, you know, talking more about social selling and and how we were in, uh, engaging with um, audiences on the other side of the screen and using social media to engage, we really encouraged our um, our our sales reps to to leverage the information that they could find on social media to really personalize that engagement um, to say, hey, you know what? I saw that you are building a new uh, office in Toledo, and these are the things that I think you might need to think about um, as you, you know, um, go forward with this office opening. I'd love to help support you. Right, that kind of um, personalization. It can be on the consumer side, which I think some people find a little bit creepy because they know so much about you that they know exactly what brand of ice cream you buy, yes. um, but also, um, you know, in the business world. And I think that kind of personalization can be very, very effective because if you reach the person at the right time when they are just thinking about those things, mm-hmm. it really starts to build that relationship. Hey, this person cares about me. They know about what I um, am interested in and they understand my situation. And that is what helps to build the relationship that you need to um, to engage with them. Yes. And it even gets worse. They put on sale, buy one, get one free, the Harris Teeter brand roasted salted peanuts which I not only use as a snack, but I put them in rice with some dried cranberries in, in rice that you buy in the package. I'm using the 90-second rice, and it really ma- and it goes great with fried rice if you like the, the Asian version of that. And I'm trying not to buy them. Yeah, okay, we'll leave that one alone. Anybody else on personalization? Because I want to move on. Lindsay, you are up next officially on prediction number two, and let's go back to security. You say security is only going to get tighter from here with each operating system upgrade, we'll see changes to how companies share data back with marketers. iOS 15, Apple, okay, uh, is slated to allow users to mask their IP address. I didn't know that, which means open rates will be skewed trending down. Lindsay, unpack this, please. Yeah, so I think, I mean, this goes hand in hand with GDPR, you know, what Kirsten was talking about earlier and, and Neil talking about security and the things that we can do with AI. Now it's a matter of you know, you have um, companies that are on the other side with the consumer thinking about how are you getting this data and what are you doing with it? So, you know, I think when there was, you know, data implications with Cambridge Analytica on Facebook and all of the information that was made available, it really made people think about security more. And that will affect email marketing and how we, I mean, you know, there are companies out there that track IP addresses and you're at this IP address and then you go to this IP address and they use open source information to overlay, you know, okay, this person is at this point from eight to five, that that must mean their work. And this must be, you know, if they go from five to seven, this must be the gym. And so, and a lot of that data is being collected by IP addresses. And so if users are going to be masking that, you might not be able to do, you know, like radius marketing people who've, you know, we've know they, they come into this area and you go on your Instagram feed and see, oh, I was, you know, at Harris Teeter yesterday and now I haven't had my Instagram feed. <laughs> 
And and that will affect, you know, how also email open rates and these metrics that we use because you won't be able to track unique open rates back to the user. It's just going to be kind of a, a everybody who's opened their email and that's going to be hard to then do your funnel marketing. Okay, you have people who opened the email, they should have a different journey than people who have unopened. That's going to make that pretty challenging. And and really it's to protect the consumer, but it does allow the marketer to or it makes the marketer be a little bit more um, creative and how we kind of think about journeys. Thank you. Speaking of journeys, I always get a little, uh, get the chills and a little creeped out when my GPS in my car tells me how many minutes to a destination that I took from where I am the week before, but I might not be going there that day. And it tells me eight minutes to home if you take this or 10 minutes to your music school or are you going to the spa? It doesn't ask me, you're going to the spa today. It just tells me how many minutes the spa is like, what? Don't spy on me. That's a whole other thing. Ashley Melendez, let's look at prediction number three. This gets down to some of the basics. You say the future of email template design will consist of balancing innovation and simplicity. I love simplicity. While simple and concise emails can be easy to digest to readers, bold and interactive designs may be more intriguing, meaning better open rates. Ashley, what's your experience? Predict, please. Yeah, so I think uh, email template designs are constantly changing as marketers are trying to increase engagement and as we see new advances in not only the marketing automation tools and the ability to design better emails, but also with the changes in email clients themselves. Um, I think in recent years, the more minimalistic template designs have been very popular, um, which often consists of like lots of white space and very easeable easy readable typography and very sort of muted colors and images like that. That seems to be kind of the trend um, that I sort of was seeing in the past recent years. Um, And these are great. Like there's nothing wrong with sort of a minimalistic design. It's less cluttered. And oftentimes the call to action is even more clear. But on the flip side, I think some of the newer designs um, that we've been seeing consist of maybe bolder colors and like much larger font um, and, Another major design trend that we've been seeing is like this broken grid layout where it looks like the email doesn't have any columns and it's sort of this free flow of text uh, and images. And I think these designs can be really great because they're, like I said, like just more intriguing um, and kind of captivating, uh, captivate your audience more. And I think right now the challenge, um, one of the challenges with email marketing is sort of having to compete in somebody's email box and um, definitely staying top of mind, making sure your email is top of mind for that consumer. And so I think sometimes it helps to kind of play around with your design and kind of have a bolder look. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, it's it's all about balancing sort of the innovation with kind of the email performance um, and keeping in mind that as you're getting creative with these new elements, um, definitely keeping accessibility in mind. So making sure you're balancing the um, creativity of your design with the accessibility because that's equally even more I would say that's actually even more important is making sure that uh, your email templates are accessible. Thank you very much. I'm now a subscriber to I won't name it but to a um, it's a gentleman who makes comments on what's going on in the news and social issues but it's not political it's very pleasant actually and then underneath he says seven things you don't want to miss this week and he talks about articles in the news but right at the top and this really annoys me 
he says, please support us. Please subscribe to this. You can, can you give us a dollar a week? The first thing underneath his logo, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. And when I forward his information to friends, to colleagues, whatever, if there's something of value, I think I delete that when I forward, I scrub it from the forward. I don't want them to see, yeah, Bonnie's sending me something where somebody wants money. I won't do that. So I take it out. And as much as I'm enjoying this, I just flip. I say, oh, again, seriously, hit me at the bottom when I've consumed your information, when I've appreciated, but don't say, hey, we need your money. No, it's just, Ashley, you agree? It's just bad design. Need to provide value first. Thank you. Thank you very much. And the the person seems so smart who's writing this and so engaging, but just don't do that. Let's go to Neil. Uh, Prediction number one. This should be a quick one. I think we know where you're going with this, but just coalesce this for us. COVID has made companies realize the importance of email marketing and investments in email marketing. That's where I want you to go. And related technology will only continue to increase. Neil. Yeah. Um, and in our, our past episode, I think we covered the ways that we can digitally engage and email is one of them, right? When uh, obviously things are still with, with Delta, we don't know where things are going, but uh, you know, we don't know if our uh, customers, our, our potential customers are going to see our messages in social media. We don't know if they're going to find us on the web. Email is that way to keep the communication going. And I think a lot of us here have experienced out of the blue, all these companies all of a sudden starting to email us. And I think with that, a lot of the things we've talked about here, we have seen some evolution in how companies are starting to leverage email marketing uh, more intelligently, uh, you know, providing a more engaging experience for us. So I think as part of this whole, you know, is email marketing dead or not? And maybe we should have started this with this one, uh, but clearly there is an increase in investment. I think we're going to continue to see that. I think that the companies that have been doing email marketing for a decade are obviously still doing it. But I think with COVID, we've seen a new generation of companies that have uh, understood its importance, maybe forgot about it, that there's just this renewed interest in it. uh, And I believe that investment will keep growing. Thank you very much. Good prediction. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do another round. Let's see. We've got seven minutes left. I need a minute to close for gratitude comments. So let's see if we could quickly go through these. Kirsten Boyleau, prediction number four, streaming video within an email will become a reality in the next five years if it's not available already. Kirsten, take about 90 seconds for this because I want to see if we can go around the table. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I think... Um this is a really, to me, it was a really novel, novel concept when I was doing my research for this show. The idea of, you know, I think it was, I forget it was Ashley or Lindsay um, talked about, uh, you know, actually fulfilling out a poll or a questionnaire within the email without having to go to another site and, and click through and, and identify yourself, etc. Um, the idea of having it right living within the email, um, that you don't have to go anywhere else. It streams that very short video um, within it and and you get that engagement right in the email um, that to me is kind of fascinating because it you don't lose people in that next click they it, it happens right then and there and you don't have to worry about them moving on to the next thing because they've lost interest um, in the first 10 seconds Thank you very much, or less. What do we have the attention span? It used to be a goldfish, then it was a squirrel. I think we're down to eight seconds. I'm going to challenge that. I think it's about three and a half seconds, that is. Lindsay Miles, let's look at prediction number three. This is interesting. Read me my email, in quotes, will become increasingly popular as consumers start commuting again. Interesting. Hope they have earbuds in. On the go, lifestyles will force us to consider how our audiences are consuming our email and should affect how we write content. Lindsay, go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, when I think about most of the time, um, we think about alt text whenever it comes to ADA compliance or helping with screen readers. And I predict that screen readers will not just be used by, um, you know, audiences that require that. I think it will be something that you can ask your phone or your smart home device to while you're cooking dinner. Hey, read me my email, because I think we are now to the point where we're doing we're multitasking now, whether we're doing multitasking well or not is a different conversation but I think it is a reality and I think as we're thinking about commuting and podcasts are of course something that we're I mean this show I mean we're already in our cars in our vehicles listening so why would email be exempt from that and I think it's something that you're not seeing a lot of people considering but I think we could make a market out of it if we really think about um, how we could make it easier for the consumer to, to read our emails or consume our emails. Thank you very much. Very exciting. Ashley, let's squeeze this one in. I think we'll have time for one from Neil. Ashley, prediction number four. In the future, email marketing will continue to be a prominent digital marketing channel given the rising number of email users worldwide. However, as new communication forms emerge, organizations may shift from using email as their primary form of communication to using it as a secondary one or an altered alternative. Ashley, go ahead. Yeah, so I think email marketing is definitely here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. And it's definitely very much alive as we were kind of thinking about the conversation of is email marketing dead or not. Um, So I think it's here to stay just given the rapid increase of email users worldwide, but also just the the, um, how email is sort of the only channel where it has a very strong uh, storytelling component. And it's one of the more versatile channels. And I think Neil was touching on this earlier where, you know, it's not controlled by an algorithm, um, which is, which is very unique for a digital channel. Um, and it's also versatile in the sense that you can use it throughout the marketing funnel. So sort of from like your top awareness to consideration and also try purchase. Um, but I think that as new channels and sort of new marketing uh tactics emerge, marketers will have to think about what channels to focus on primarily um, rather than, you know, sort of trying to follow every single channel. Um, And also given the continued success of email marketing, I think it will be continued to be selected by marketers as one of the more primary channels um, for running campaigns. Thank you very much. Interesting. I'm going to segue to prediction number four from Neil. He has something to say about what you just said, Ashley. He says, as more and more personal communication is done over text, companies will find new ways to truly integrate email and text and allow consumers to decide on which platform, I'm going to say we, would like to receive which messages for greater impact. And I'm going to say for what our preferences are. Neil, you get the last word. Take about 90 seconds and then we're going to wrap. Go ahead. Sure. I think that part of, uh, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about and when Lindsay brought up iOS 15 and just the changes that are going on in privacy, why can't consumers have more control over the communications they have with with companies, whether it's through email or with text? And I, I do think that it's obviously in the best interest of companies. For instance, I have a, a daily uh, a blast whenever I have a new blog post from my RSS feed. I have a weekly newsletter. I have a monthly newsletter. And I let the subscribers to my list actually decide at what cadence they want to receive what communication. And there are some companies that do this, but not 
a lot. I think the technology is there. And I think when you take that over to text now, because as I said, I do know, especially younger generations that actually prefer that text over that email, depending on the type of content. Why can't we make it available so everybody can choose? It's going to be good for the consumer and it's going to be great for the marketer because they're going to get better results. So I, I look forward to seeing uh, more and more uh, technology roll out that allows us marketers to be able to more easily do that. And we're all going to live in a happier world where everybody enjoys their email or text. <laughs> Thank you very much. My challenge is people who say I check my email once a week or once every two weeks when in the band I'm in, we're sending out the schedule for the practices for the day of the performance, August 28th. You can't all come because it's residents only, but otherwise I would invite you. You know that. Uh, and and people say, ah, I don't get email. It's like, well, would somebody call this person in the band and tell them that when the ca- when the schedule is? So I have to set up a, t- a phone a phone round robin for somebody to call the others to tell them. I prefer text. I don't check email. It, it's hard when you get to certain demographics. I'm going to leave that very very vague. Thank you all. I have so much enjoyed speaking with all of you, and I thank you for coming back for for part two of this really interesting topic. Kristen Boylow, always a pleasure with you. Lindsay Miles, delightful. I love the dimples. By the way, Lindsay, I had to say that. Ashley Melendez, always so smart, so so focused on the topic, wonderful information. Neil Schaefer, what can I say? You're the only fractional CMO I've ever met, and I'm very honored to have you on the panel. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at Voice America. He was 26 when I met him three years ago. He's 62 now. We put him through his paces. Everybody, put your finger up and wave. We're going to I'm gonna say thank you to tuning in for Technology Revolution, the future of now. But remember, The future of now did not happen yet. Somebody tells you it's here, you say, no, 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 you're wrong, because we're all here to make it a better one. The future of now hasn't happened yet. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now.